Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Dominic Booth. I'm delighted to be joined as usual, by the po- podcast crew, it's Samuel Luckhurst and Tyrone Marshall. How are you both? Very good, thank you. Yes, fine, thank you, Dom. Refreshed from a, a few days off and raring to go. Absolutely, yeah. You missed a, a, a fine game on Sunday, actually, with Manchester United coming from behind to beat Tottenham 3-1 at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. A game full of incident and action at United having a goal Chalked off, um, thanks to VAR, but then coming back after Son Heung-min had scored for Spurs, United scoring through Fred, Cavani and Greenwood to secure a win, which propels them nice and comfortably into second place now with a seven-point cushion over Leicester. And uh, there's even slight talk of a related title challenge. We might get onto that uh, in a bit, Samuel, but you were down there in North London. Um a Jekyll and high performance for United, I suppose, first and second half. But in the end, it was a very, very deserved win. Oh, absolutely. The, the second half performance was one of the best halves from United all season. As you said, the, the first half, they were meandering through it. I, I think the Leicester result at lunchtime, with them losing, it, it probably didn't help matters in that it's so... Obviously, United are going to finish at least second now because Leicester haven't got it in them to... I mean, Leicester might not even have it in them to, to stay in the top four. The, that There's no jeopardy there. There's At times, there's not a real great, a great amount of intensity. The, the Brighton game was pretty unwatchable uh, the week before. But United were fortunately jolted by the VAR call and then Son going up the other end and scoring and putting Tottenham 1-0 up. And... In the second half, they were just they were just dominant. I thought Pogba was who was very creative in the first half, just absolutely dominated the game. He, he properly grabbed the game by the lapels. It's amazing what he can do when he's in the same stadium as Jose Mourinho. But in fairness to Pogba, I think he's had a pretty good calendar year so far, and it's 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 difficult not to touch upon individuals because there were some standout individual performances like Cavani in the second half. I mean, Solskjaer was really cooing over his, um, just that that expertise up front that United have lacked for, it does feel like a long, long time. Solskjaer said the performance from Cavani, United haven't had that from a striker in a few years. Uh, You could possibly look back to Lukaku's two goals in, in Paris that time, but like that result and the manner of that, that win, it, it did feel rather freakish and it was, I suppose it was more spontaneous moments rather than the overall performance, whereas Cavani's overall performance was was exceptional. He, you know, he was getting closer and closer. He he pretty much helped force the equaliser with the shot that Yori saved and, saved and then Fred prodded in on the rebound. So, as, as you said, and we'll probably get on to it, mathematically, United can still somehow win the league and they, they did play the like a side that could still do that in the second half. Yeah, it says a lot about how good they can be and maybe sometimes about how bad they can be, Tyrone. 
uh, that performance level and, and what Cavani can bring when he's on his game compared to any other option that United have in that position in their squad. It, it, he, he seemed, as well as Pogba, I thought Pogba was terrific, as Samuel said, but Cavani does seem to be the catalyst sometimes for turning United's performances into something that extra bit special. Yeah, I mean, the, the way he took his goal was, was brilliant and the way he took his, his disallowed goal was brilliant. His movement, as they mentioned on, on commentary and you can see from the game, was just sensational. I think, as, as Gary Neville said, he's, he's the best in the world at that. His movement is, is so intelligent and he's always there in the penalty box giving the crosser an option and, and that is absolutely vital for, for a number nine and is what United have missed. Neither Rashford or Martial have that in their armoury, really. You know, they offer different things when playing as centre-forward. It, it was kind of a performance that was needed from Cavani. It, it felt after Brighton last week when he was completely anonymous that it was almost like this was a good couple of months that was just sort of beginning to fizzle out and, and come to an end, to talk of him moving on. And, you know, he, he, I thought he was really poor last week, but this was him reinvigorated. And this is, you know, that sort of performance is why Solskjaer so badly wants him to, to stay from what he was saying after the game. And you can see, you can see why. I think there's still perhaps concerns over his age and, and his fitness. He gives United so much when he's on form like he was yesterday. And, he, you know, his diving header, the way he took both goals was, was good, but the diving header was a magnificent finish. And he just looks a constant threat in, in the penalty box. And when he's doing that, I think it occupies defenders. Too often when Martial or, or Rashford are, are up there, they're not occupying defenders. They're both drifting wide or drifting deep. And that can be a threat in itself, but sometimes it, it takes the edge away. And with Cavani there, the centre-halves know they've always got to be on their game. And it almost gives more space to, to players to, to thrive. And I think Pogba especially benefited from it. I know Samuel touched on him there, but I thought he was supreme second half. He just looked so, so confident. And when Pogba gets in, in that mood, he looks like he believes he's the best player in the world. And he just, yeah. I, the thing that amazed me was just how easy he made it look. There was times where he had two or three Tottenham players, you know, snapping at his ankles. He was boxed in on the left and his shoulders were slouched. And it was almost like he was having a five-a-side kickabout with his mates and he'd just wriggle out and, and find room. And there were times he almost made it look too easy. And it, it almost looked like he thought it was too easy for him. He, you know, he does look a world-class player when he's, when he's like that. And the disappointment is United haven't really seen that enough since, since 2016, considering the fee they paid for him. But that was a sign of what he can do. And as Samuel said, he's, he's had a really good year ever since December, bizarrely, when his agent lit another fire under the club with his, his comments. He's been, he's been superb and, and getting better. And that was probably the culmination. And I, I would, you know, it was easily the best 45 minutes of the season. It was arguably the best 45 minutes of the Solskjaer era for me and it dispelled a few myths as well that United are reliant on Fernandes and reliant on the, the counter-attack which are both legitimate arguments but going 1-0 down to a Tottenham team organised by Jose Mourinho is probably the worst thing that can happen for a side in, in that regard but they picked them open as they did for that goal in the first half that was disallowed as well just through good good football really good interchange good movement good crisp passing and you know, it, it was the quality of the football that, that really stood out for me yeah, it's a good, really good point. A few myths busted, maybe. I think maybe one of the other myths as well, uh, the myth that Fred and McTominay in front of the back four is necessarily a defensive move. I know Solskjaer um, brought Greenwood on, but I, I thought he might have brought him on for one of those two, but he actually kept both of those on, kept Pogba in a, a free role uh, where he's played well in some big games this season. I think, I think the Liverpool game away. Um, and Fred and McTominay were seen bursting into the box and Fred even scoring a goal, Samuel. It, it, was, it wasn't the sort of the... The personnel necessarily it was the 
the mentality that United had. Yeah, um, I mean, Solskjaer said that Fred's been practicing that after the game, and I was I was sat um, I, was, I was sat by a former colleague uh, Charlotte Duncan, and she said after Fred scored that he'd had something like seventy three shots in the Premier League between his first and his second goal, and his first goal I think was an only goal before yesterday was September twenty eighteen. I think it was against Wolves. I imagine quite a fair few spectators have been injured with those 73 shots or whatever it was um, <laughs> because his shooting is is dreadful. Um, and I, th- I think Keen, Roy Keane said afterwards he, he still expected him to miss when he, he got in there. Um, you know, a- Again, it was a- everyone improved in, in the second half. And in fairness to, to Fred, who had an absolute horror show at Leicester in, in the cup game last month, I think he's made a pretty good recovery. I thought he was actually decent in the Brighton game. I mean, there weren't many individual performances uh, that stood out against Brighton, but I thought there was he had something about himself and, and he doesn't go into hiding however badly he, he might have played and um, getting that goal will, will be a morale booster for him. McTominay was very unfortunate to have um, to be penalised for the foul on Son. I, yeah. I still maintain, I think, that decision... Whichever way it went, the team that would have been wronged would have felt justifiably aggrieved. I, I felt a bit of sympathy for the referee in that it was one of those fine margin decisions that you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You can understand if it's given as a foul, you can understand if he just, pun, no pun intended, but brushes it off. I, I suppose the real context of it is that McTominay has that reflex action because Son tugs at his arm. And in the split second, he just, you know, reacts, trying to, you know, push push Son off him. And Chris Kavanagh, the referee, then deemed that a foul. Uh, fortunately, in the end, I mean, it was in danger of being the talking point of the game. And it still generated a fair amount of coverage afterwards, as, um, as we discovered with the Zoom calls and the, the broadcaster chats. But as I said earlier, I think that that made United. I mean, Cavani was clearly affronted by having that goal disallowed. It was his first goal in in two months. Uh, He soon got booked for tanking with Rodon. I think up until he actually scored that goal as impressively as he did, he'd been a bit of a passenger. So it just just goes to show when you feel wronged, when you feel a bit aggrieved and he went into that game yesterday, actually, below Jesse Lingard in the goal-scoring charts in the Premier League, which, however way you look at it, is embarrassing. Lingard hadn't had a kick in the Premier League this season until February, but his form has been that phenomenal. He's actually got more Premier League goals than, than Cavani and Marshall have already. So when you've got all that neg- negativity floating around, it, it is possible to channel it into a positive and as I said I couldn't really speak highly enough of Cavani in the second half what what was interesting um, and the privilege we have in the position of seeing these games live is that um, his reaction to Greenwood's uh, goal it was all there was this like primal joy etched on his face and he celebrated with Tellez and Mata the substitutes there rather than going off with all the outfield players with and Greenwood and then after full time, when he re-emerged with Matic um, to, to get back on the bus, he, he paused behind the goal and rummaged for his phone, got his phone out and either took a picture or was like just filming the eeriness of an empty pitch and an empty stadium behind that goal. And it was, it was clear to him, it was clear to everyone just seeing that little bit, uh, that little moment there that he was, he was keeping it as a memento. 
Um, and you know, there's for all the cynicism that's in football, it's it's those tiny little pure moments that kind of restore your faith in it. And let's face it, I think Cavani, when he played like he did in the second half, that that is everything you want from a striker. Yeah, and he didn't particularly look like a player who wanted to leave. I know Solskjaer even admitted that he doesn't really know what's going to happen with, with Cavani's future, but he didn't, it didn't look like a player who was signing off, as we maybe uh, would have thought a couple of weeks ago. He did against Brighton, I suppose. Yeah, that's, maybe. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's the, um, I suppose that's the, the red flag in the, this his performance against Tottenham might, might be an anomaly. He's had this period of two months where He's he's been out. He's missed a lot of football. Um, as a reported, there were games where he was cleared by medical staff to play in. He didn't think he was available to play, in, so he'd pull out. Then that went public with the AC Milan squad that he was initially included in. And then a couple of hours later, United had to release an updated story saying, "Oh, actually, Edinson won't be flying to Milan." So for the last two months, it's looked like it's going one way, and that's towards the exit doors. And I I, I still I still maintain that the ambitious move by United would be to just say yeah, thank you, but you know let's let's call it quits now. There's too much uncertainty. We need to get on with our plans for next season. And it, as much as I like watching Cavani and like him as a striker, I, I still I still think it would be a bit of a cop out just to just to keep him because it's almost as if they're saying, well, we can't get a striker this year because. Of this obstacle and that obstacle with Erling Haaland and Harry Kane and Harry Kane will have two years left in his contract next year so we'll go for him then but where are they going to strengthen the attack are they going to go for another right winger are they going to go for a different type of forward that, that's that's always even with the positivity of Cavani's performance it's it's almost blemished by that negative aspect of the United ownership not being synonymous with ambition not pushing the boat out um, enough in recent years and this summer is going to be a pretty torrid summer to deal in the transfer window and even it even extends to Paul Pogba who you look at this sequence of games United have got they want to lay down a marker Pogba's instrumental to that as he was at Tottenham but his agent says he he wants to leave that they're intending to move him on in the summer so um, yeah, that that progress is is somewhat compromised, but an awful lot can happen between now and the end of the transfer window, and a hell of a lot can change. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to monitor both those uh, situations. I guess we could talk Tyrone about the the VAR incidents until the cows come home, and and like Simon said, it's it's probably good that it wasn't the only major talking point from the game. But I guess what was interesting was the comments from both Solskjaer and Mourinho after the game. Oh. Uh, Solskjaer um, talking in not-so-glowing terms about Son Heung-min and, and how he thought he made a meal of the contact from McTominay and Mourinho uh, hitting back. It doesn't seem like there's, there's much love lost between the current United manager and his predecessor. Um, no, it, it was a strange... Um, it was a strange all round, really, wasn't it? I think that's the second time that um, Solskjaer has now basically said that if he was his son, he wouldn't be feeding him. So I don't know what his parenting techniques are. Obviously, children... <laughs> Let's hope his daughter doesn't die when she's playing for uh, United's women's teams. Um, you know, I, I can see his point. And, Mar- I mean, a, a lot of Mourinho's comments after that were probably, you know, the, the fact Mourinho brought it up in his press conference, he probably knows it's going to make headlines rather than another game where his team have had the lead, played poorly and, and lost. So, you know, all managers use that classic diversionary tactic of 
they were talking now about my crazy comments about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's parenting rather than the performance of my team. So, you know, it, it was pretty weird all round. I think it's, it's probably a good point from Samuel that whichever way that decision went, you could be aggrieved. If you look at it from a Tottenham point of view, I mean, McTominay did thrust his arm into Son's face and Son probably made the most of it. But everyone who's played football knows that if you get a whack in your face, it, you know, it can be painful. Um, probably not painful to the extent that he needed to stay down for quite as long. But one of the, 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 one of the many shames of empty stadium football is the, the fact that players know they can influence referees and referees in this league are weak and they can influence them by screaming and the louder and more dramatic the scream, the better, really. So, you know, there's an awful lot of that going on and there was probably a, a bit of that then. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to know quite what their relationship is because Solskjaer, was the Sunday section of his press conference last week, he all of us had a dig about saying you can't say second is, is an achievement when, obviously, Mourinho said it was the greatest achievement at United. But then two questions later, he's saying how, you know, his time at United is unfairly interpreted Mourinho's time and, and paying him a lot of respect. So it's hard to know quite what's, uh, what's going on with that relationship. But yeah, it was, um, it was a very bizarre post-match exchange and probably not what you expect, really, a debate around parenting techniques after, after a game like that. Yeah, but pretty. The weird, go on, sorry, sorry. So, so the, the weird thing is, um, I'm led to believe that it's it's not even a figure of speech from Solskjaer. He he has literally like, it, I guess it's a case like if your child misbehaves and you say right, go to bed, you're not having any dinner. Mm. That that is that is a way he operates. I, I, like that's what someone is, who knows him has told me, which just makes it even more bizarre because it does look like a figure of speech. But no, apparently, you know, if his son misbehaves, he he, he won't feed him. Literally, he he says like you know, as I said, it's like you off to, go off to bed, you're not having any dinner. Um, as I said, it, it was a very, very bizarre exchange that it looks like you're just using that figure of speech, but Solskjaer supposedly is actually drawing on his actual parenting experience, which I never thought we'd discuss <laughs> on the podcast. Well, it's interesting. Samuel and I, we discussed the other day about Solskjaer's sort of Englishisms and how sometimes it's easy to forget that he's actually a second language, even though he's been in the country for for 20 years or something and it, sometimes he does his phrasing can be a bit clunky at times but we, we forgive him yes <laughs> yeah I, I guess we'll, we'll move swiftly on uh united um obviously got europa league football this thursday night uh, against granada 2-0 up from the first leg um but i guess there's, there's there's the pressure of winning a trophy that comes back to those comments between solskjaer and Mourinho as well i suppose with solskjaer uh he did land that dig a few weeks ago about saying how Trophies and minor cup competitions don't mean anything, but United now are in a fairly strong position, Samuel, with second place looking very certain and the semi-final place in the Europa League looking very certain. But they need to kick on and make sure that that they get both of those things. Yes, I, I think they, they are in a, a kind of enviable position now in the, at the risk of underestimating Granada, they really should get through. Um, to the semi-finals and then with the greatest respect to Burnley uh, they play Burnley at home on the Sunday and fairness to Burnley they've United I don't think have ever done the double against them in in the Premier League era which is a bit of a quirk in terms of um, their record against them but it's one of those games where it's almost a bit of a free hit in the United are guaranteed to finish second um, whatever the outcome I don't even think Solskjaer believes they can somehow reel in City with 
six or seven games left, even though at the moment it is mathematically possible and you've got that minor parallel with 2012 where United were eight points clear with six games to go and then they they blew it, obviously, and, and City beat them to the title on goal difference. But they've, they've got to take stock with someone like Marcus Rashford, who took an absolute eternity to do half a lap of the pitch yesterday because he's in such discomfort with his foot injury. I, I'd have said he took he took the best part of at least five minutes to to get to his seat um, and, and have a you know receive a warm up top of one of the, the kit managers. And when you look at the fact that United don't have a midweek game next week, I don't think because there's a two week break in the Europa League, um, their midweek game, which is against Leicester, I don't think that's until later this month or early May. Uh, I can't quite remember. So essentially, they've they've not got a lot of football over the next um, two weeks or so. And it does make sense just to give Rashford two weeks off to rest up, see if, you know, his foot injury can heal. If, if any work needs to doing on it, maybe do it. Um, I suspect it's maybe a bit too late for that now because you've got the Euros just around the corner. And it, it sounds like one of those injuries that if, if you were to address it properly, it would be quite a long time um, out. But I, I just think this is an opportunity to to address that because he's you know it is compromising his form it didn't help that he started on the right at Tottenham even though I suppose that that selection process was vindicated because Pogba by playing off the left um, even though I think he did switch to the right at one point um, he, he, he was he was the best player on the pitch but certainly with the Granada game there's there's an element of rotation that takes care of itself because of the three suspensions uh, Rashford has to come out the team De Gea will come back in for Dean Henderson, which is a topic we haven't touched upon. It's it's amusing how there's a minority of United fans who think the current first-choice goalkeeper um, isn't actually playing for them in the Premier League. That That's a new one. I've never heard that before, that, that the number one goalkeeper is, is a bench warmer. I, I suppose in a literal sense, these United fans... Um, are right in that De Gea does literally wear one on the back of his shirt. So if we're being pedantic, <laughs> uh, is he the first choice? No, he's not because he's playing in the Europa League and Henderson's playing in the Premier League. I just find it very, very peculiar that there's a faction of United supporters who um, are unable to celebrate an academy player spending 10 years at the club, um, going from National League to League Two to League One to the Championship to the Premier League to the United first team to become their first number one. And that's that's supposedly a bad thing because he's English. That's that's literally the only thing they, they hold against him, uh, which is bizarre to me. I think anyone who um, is, is looking at that situation objectively, De Gea, has he been a better goalkeeper than Henderson the last two years? No, objectively yeah, he hasn't. And, yeah. and Henderson is now, OK, he was operating a far lower level but if you're going to find out if he's going to be a long-term number one at United, you need to give him a sustained run in the team. He's had that at the moment. He has made mistakes this season against Milan, against Sheffield United. He atoned in the second leg against Milan. And at Tottenham, his presence, his communication was excellent. Um, he, you know, The saves he made were not difficult saves, but they were key saves at 1-1, I believe. So you can't hold that against him. I, I just find it contrary of 
I don't even think they're actually United supporters. I think that they're, they're De Gea fans. I suppose if he goes to PSG, they'll start supporting PSG next season. But it's just a very, very warped outlook on the goalkeeping situation at the moment. It's a new one to me. I can't ever remember or recall a club where fans are saying he's the number one goalkeeper, yet that goalkeeper is actually on the bench and not the number one goalkeeper. It's it's just very bizarre, and it'll be yeah. you know reinforced again this week when Henderson probably starts against Burnley on Sunday, and De Gea starts against Granada on Thursday. Yeah, well, there could be little debate that Henderson was very very solid against uh, Spurs, uh, as were um, most of the defence after they got off, off to that uh, slightly bad start with a Son goal. Um, De Gea, one of those to come back, then tie against Granada. Uh, there's a few suspensions as well, a couple in defence that United have to deal with. No Harry Maguire, which will be a, a novelty, I suppose, in itself. He seems to play every single game. No Luke Shaw uh, and no McTominay in the middle as well. Um, is, are they sort of blessings in disguise, I suppose, because they all force Solskjaer to actually rotate and to keep the squad uh, refreshed for Thursday? Yeah, I think they're blessings in disguise on a couple of fronts, really, in regards to, yes, they will force him to rotate and also they'll serve their suspensions in a second leg that, the, you know, the job should really be done by United. It'd much rather to serve the suspensions now than in the first leg or second leg against probably Roma or, or maybe Ajax. So I think in, in on two fronts, really, it's probably a blessing in disguise that they get their suspensions out of the way and there's there's no concern to come the semi-final when the competition is, is going to be going up a notch. Um, you know, rotation is is has been key all season. It, it will make sense again. It'll be interesting to see who comes in it at centre-back, whether it's whether Bailly's fit or what's going on with Bailly. I think Twan Zibi probably needs a game and, and needs a start. Since that Sheffield United game, he's, he's barely featured beyond 45 minutes against Real Sociedad, I think. And, you know, he, he's at a point where he really needs to be playing and, and needs to make an impact. So I think he needs a start and Tellez is obviously the one to come in for sure. So there's, there's obvious rotation options there for United. And I think the suspensions are a definite benefit as they go deeper into the competition. They're, you know, they sh- they, they're not going to throw away a two-goal lead against Granada at Old Trafford, so they're all bit in the semi-finals. And it, it's probably for the best. The idea of missing Luke Shaw in a second leg against Roma, say, would be much worse than, than missing Luke Shaw in a second leg against Granada when you're 2-0 up. Yeah, and, and the way Solskjaer has been, such as that second leg against Sociedad when he started, wan and Fernandez, he sometimes does does play maybe too strong a side, and that's not doing a, a disservice, I don't think, to Granada, who, like we've said, United should be able to get past um, that, you know, cure a 3-0 Granada win, and, and then we'll uh, <laughs> discuss that in the next podcast. Um, that brings me on nicely to the predictions then for for this one. Um, Samuel, I guess it's, uh, it should be a formality. One would hope so, yeah. Um, just just to avoid any uh, late deadlines or any mm-hmm. um, any, any of that nonsense. Uh, Extra time. Yeah, I, I, yeah um, it's yeah, it's it, even it's it's still very very difficult for one to um, be excited by a Europa League quarter final. I can't wait for the is it the European Conference Cup next season? Or yeah, whatever. that's going to take it to new depths, isn't it? <laughs> whatever the hell it's called. I mean, why they just didn't call it the European Cup Winners' Cup and just tap into the nostalgia and it, it might have actually worked but uh, yeah I, I it might I, I fear it might be even another Sociedad style goalless game that we all just want to forget as quickly as possible 
optimism there from Samuel Ty. Can you, can you get uh, can you get equally as optimistic? Uh, I, I think it'll be routine. I, I mean, Granada had their moments in, in the first leg, to be fair, and look dangerous. But I think they will probably know that the tie is gone. I think United will be good enough defensively. So I'll go with another 2-0. There we go. And we'll have to see what happens. And um, United then obviously then back into league action. And we'll give you all the build to the Granada game. More reaction to the Spurs game on the Manchester Evening News website as we speak. Um, but for now, for this week's podcast, thank you very much to Samuel. Thank you, Dom. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tyrone. Cheers, Dom. And we'll be back for another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast very, very soon. Please leave us a like and a subscribe and listen again. Cheers.